You're listening to The Real Witches of the End Times, transmissions straight from the underworld. Witches, Blood Wizards, Underworld Accountants, and Cloud People. Welcome back to the Real Witches of the End Times podcast. I'm your host, Mana Aylin. Today I have with me Sam Gay, who is a freelance artist who I first discovered through the launch of the Blood Moon Tarot on via Instagram, actually, is how I saw it. My friend Celeste sent me a link to it, and it is one of the most beautiful decks I've ever seen. And I was very excited when Sam responded to my interview request. And Sam, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for for those kind words and introduction. I still get flustered when people say nice things about the tarot deck. (laughs) But yeah, so hi, I'm Sam. I'm a professional artist. I like to draw inspiration from dreams and nature and weird stuff. And I also work as a freelance illustrator for Magic the Gathering and other clients like that. Well, before I even had begun to look around and do some more research onto you and your background before this interview, I didn't realize the amount of personal mythology that you put into the Blood Moon Tarot. And I found that fascinating because one thing that I noticed really fast when I was working with the deck was how great it's been for communicating with spirits or like anything of the more dreamlike nature in general or the less tangible in life. And that is a frequent piece of feedback that I've heard. That's truly something that I think is amazing that you've been able to share through art and then has been translated even without people knowing. Is that something that you've noticed in feedback at all? Yeah, um, I actually have gotten quite a bit of feedback similar to that. A lot of people have a good experience with doing sort of inner work or shadow work is what I hear a lot from people. There's kind of like two ways that I brought my inspiration into this deck. There's the way that I have used tarot for myself through the years, which is sort of as a tool to do inner work. I see it as a way to kind of like make a visual map and put it in front of you of emotions that are in your life or or situations. And it kind of lets you separate yourself from it and um, look at things from different perspectives. So that's sort of like like the very, very grounded way that I look at tarot. But on the other hand, I took a lot of inspiration from dreams and personal experiences and I think that gets a lot more emotional and abstract and I think people pick up on that a lot so I think that's where it's coming from. You've stated too um, that this is one of the first like bigger projects that you've worked on um, at least for yourself in this way and this was done via Kickstarter. And I didn't see any of the progress work or anything like that because I didn't find or know that you existed when the Kickstarter (laughs) was still going. So when I've been looking at some of the progress pieces in the past that you've posted, the suits, the suit of dreams, the suit of songs, etc., are all done in large cohesive pieces that the cards are like zoomed in high res pictures of essentially of the Mm. the watercolor work that you've done how did that idea come to be that was a choice of making the process a little easier for me but also as a way to make each suit cohesive so the benefit of doing this was i wasn't doing you know a, a ton of cards individually because I tend to get really caught up in details. And so like each individual card, if I had done them separately, would have taken so long. And the benefit of putting them together in one big painting is that I can work on them all at once and move from card to card as I feel like it. I can sort of do a, my initial layers, my like first washes over the piece as a whole which brings the cards together color palette wise. And I I also love the uh, sort of connection, the 
the fact that like one card kind of like weaves into the next because I think the narrative within the cards of tarot is really helpful for some people, um, me included. Something I really like doing is giving my friends who have never read tarot a tarot deck and asking them to give me a reading because they're really good at it. Even though they know nothing, they just can like read from the cards. I find that artists are and illustrators or people who see art narratively are very good at this. So I kind of wanted to keep that in mind too, is how people can read the cards um, without knowing what they mean. I think that's an incredible point. And I've noticed that as well. One of the first tarot classes that I ever took, one of the first things we did is just laid out all of the suits in order to see that narrative in different decks for ourselves and to just look at what we could discern on our own before even diving into the the classic symbology that's in there. And again, like I wasn't aware immediately when I first had the deck that this these were all large cohesive pieces. And I think that absolutely translates because there's something about the way that each suit progresses that has that elicits that that emotional response that you were talking about. You can't like force that. That's something that has to just come about from the piece itself. And as a fellow artist, it's something that I also like really appreciate when I see that in a deck. Would you be able to elaborate on the connection that you feel with the tarot before you created Blood Moon? So, okay, funny story. I first got into tarot through uh, uh, card capture Sakura. <laughs> um, I have no idea if you're familiar with that. It's like an anime and or a, also like a little a comic book that I really liked as a kid and it's this girl who like hunts down these cards that like summon creatures like the cards are alive in a way and I thought that was just so cool to have this very like magical object like this card where the art produces something real and so it didn't exactly connect with the tarot but it was the same concept so when I found out about tarot I was like oh this is really cool my sort of like past experience with this this fantasy story made the art of tarot more interesting to me or more magical and so when I finally got my first tarot deck it was the art that really let me connect to this more so than a lot of other like occult stuff um art to me is is like a very weird and magic thing which we can talk more about but I had my initial interaction with the tarot that way I was very fascinated by the art and the stories and the symbolism and the fact that you could just put your hands all over the art it's something I always want to do at museums so I love like art objects you can handle so I got my first tarot deck around 13 or 14 I think I continued to use it through high school through college and in college I ended up doing my senior thesis on the tarot and I made like an oracle deck at that time for me tarot was a really valuable thing because it gave people permission to explore their emotions and I felt at that time so surrounded by people who wanted to intellectualize everything and thought emotions were like less valuable or inferior in some way or should be ignored and I definitely like struggle with expressing and processing my own emotions and tarot kind of helps me tap into that and be more comfortable with exploring those things so you know, they're important to me in that way as well. Do you happen to remember what your first deck was? It was gifted to me, I think it was the Lunacy Tarot or something like that. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, it's a very like anime-ish inspired style, very earthy colors, a lot of line work, very textural. And they kind of reminded me of those cards from the, the anime when I was a kid that I liked. Have you seen Persona? I have not. Okay. There's a, a tarot deck that um, one of my friends has who's not interested in any of this, but he loves that anime and bought the deck and started doing readings with it because it was like about the anime. So I was just thinking about that too. <laughs> is it um, like a deck that is in the show or is it a deck featuring stuff from the show that was like made from the show? Do you know? I cannot confirm nor deny that I haven't seen Persona for myself, but I think 
and I could be wrong. So if anyone's screaming, listening at home, um, <laughs> sorry. But I think that it kind of fits the theme. Like there's tarot archetypes drawn into the characters of the show. And oh, then as cool. a result, the existence of a deck like would make sense for to be like a merch item for the show. And they're very like, they're based off of more so the tarot day Marseille as opposed to a Rider-Waite-Smith mm. take. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll go look that up. I kind of love when things take inspiration from the tarot or like, you know, that kind of cross-pollination of, of art inspiration. But I also love prop decks like um, Penny Dreadfuls. They had a deck for that that was pretty cool. I love that and show. I, I think you can get like a prop deck from the Cardcaptor Sakura thing too. But yeah, prop decks are, are kind of a neat idea as well. From what you just said, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like, so when you when you did your senior thesis, was that, did you go to art school? Yeah, I did, I did go to art school. Okay, so tarot or an interest in um, cartomancy or card-based divination has been kind of an interest from the beginning of your artistic career, it seems. Yeah, yeah, it has. I, I did attempt to make a tarot deck with a friend while I was in college. But at the time, I just I did not have the skills to like handle such a large project. So I got a couple cards, uh, like designs. I started painting some, but it didn't go anywhere. I was also, I think, because I was illustrating from what my friends wanted me to illustrate, it wasn't I didn't have the same personal connection to it. Mm-hmm. So that was a big difference, too. Yeah, that absolutely makes a difference. And especially from what you shared about your inspiration, especially with, with the blood moon um, being a lot of your personal mythology and, and inner worlds connection there. I, I do want to touch on the inspiration or the inspiration for the different suits that you have because they are all personal interpretations as opposed to being specifically the swords, the cups, the pentacles, or the wands. And the one that sticks out to me the most, which I think is kind of a a community agreement as well is the suit of dreams because this is a translation of the suit of swords that features this dreamlike wolf that has this emotional response at least when i see it in the cards that is it gets you like it i i could see why if someone was picking up this deck even if they didn't have a full awareness of tarot symbology i think they could absolutely read that suit based off of your interpretation and one of my favorite cards in general in tarot like regardless of my thoughts on the rest of the art in the deck is typically the three of swords because it has it packs such a punch typically and there's a similar draw to imagery even if the art styles are completely different usually that one tends to stick to a similar impact and yours absolutely has that it, it's these three wolves essentially like around someone can you can you talk about the suit of swords or the suit of dreams specifically i'm so curious to hear like how you interpret those wolves because those were such a a personal creature from really intense dream experience i had i hear some people say that it's like really dark or something uh, and that my imagery is kind of dark and for me that is okay i'm very comfortable with that and, um, you know, swords do deal with a lot of anxiety, which is something that I have had some really rough experience with. The inspiration for, like, these dream wolves and stuff come from an experience I had with my own mental health. Back in college, I was given a medication for something that I was dealing with, and I had a very bad reaction to it. It basically caused psychosis and I um I didn't know that it was the medication but I was like hallucinating and having like really bad paranoia and it was and like constant panic attacks it was very bad and it took a while to figure out that it was the medication and even after I got off of it it was a long road to deal with the panic disorder that I got from that. I basically developed PTSD from, you know, the reaction to these meds. At one point, it was so bad, like I couldn't leave the house, I couldn't do anything. I had this um, sleep paralysis experience, 
where I was in bed and I could tell there was something coming up the stairs and it was this huge kind of rotty decaying dog with like shaggy hair and human eyes and it was huge and it came up to me and it started like snuffling into my neck and this disembodied voice was telling me like oh anxiety is what happens when all your energy builds up and and these creatures come to like eat the excess energy and you know they cause all this all these horrible feelings and I uh I woke myself up from this sleep paralysis by basically telling the dog to get lost and um it was kind of a a wake-up call for me that I really really needed to put some effort into you know getting over this panic disorder and the agoraphobia that was developing because I I couldn't live like that you know um and it still took a long time to recover but that you know that creature really helped me in a way by just like showing up and being scary. <laughs> but yeah, that's where that creature comes from. So I see it as a bit of like kind of a good thing, kind of a a, a guide out of the, the scary anxiety hole, <laughs> you know. Well, thank you for sharing that. I will say your inspiration is similar to what I interpreted from the card or the cards in general for this suit. For me, the the swords are about information and that's why they often you know represent anxiety in certain instances or the cards tend to get a bad rap because there's a lot of typically pretty brutal imagery that will will come with the suit but the swords themselves the information the anxiety whatever they come to be these are just the physical manifestations the sometimes thought egregores or things that we create that don't have the same type of harm to us always in all of their different forms. So many people experience like anxiety disorders that are debilitating in some specific way, like myself included. And I think these can become these bigger monsters depending on whatever stage we're at or whatever our relationship is with information, the potentiality of a situation that hasn't happened yet. Um, the thought that someone might have a certain reaction to something we do um, that type of thing. And so when I look at your suit and I see this different evolution or stages of these dream wolves, um, that's that's what I see from them. And that seems to be similar to what your intention was. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's I love hearing other people's insights into the art because I think that for me, that was like a huge uh, exciting part of making a tarot deck is it ends up in the end when you release it being a collaboration with other people who get to sort of put their own stories into it and their own ideas. And I really love that. So yeah, thanks for sharing. And I noticed um, a similar theme of the dream wolves, even though there's absolutely no wolf present in this card and it's not part of the, the suit of swords at all. It's actually in strength, your number eight strength here, where you have someone who's literally splitting a sword in half that's at their neck splitting this piece of truth this information something that should be unable to budge right if someone's holding a huge steel blade at your throat it's no one thinks i can pull this apart with my bare hands or deal with the physical consequence of doing such an act but here is that person doing that and that's like an incredible visualization for strength a card that's often extremely oversimplified and you have that again that emotional visual punch that someone can understand whether or not they've read the tarot or know anything about it but this imagery this someone doing that actually looks to me really similar to your eight of swords um in or the eight of dreams where you have someone who's essentially holding a wolf back from biting their throat uh, was that intentional or is that kind of a subconscious artist coincidence I think that that might be a subconscious artist coincidence, but I'm not surprised because there is kind of a tie-in between those, the, the emotion behind those cards. Like you're facing something one-on-one -on -one that is extremely difficult. And I think strength does it with more centered ease, whereas the uh, Eight of Dreams you know, there's more of a tangle going on. The monster's tongue is 
twining into the person's hair. It's almost like they're connected. There, there's a similar like struggle of emotion and behind it. And I think it, you know, I solved those with similar poses maybe. And I think it hits in a similar way. Mm -hmm. And the edges of the split sword and strength are, they kind of are, this is not the right word, but evaporating. (laughs) No, that is the right word. They're they're like, yeah, they're kind of evaporating or vaporizing a little Mm -hmm. bit. Which to me reminds me of, um, of the dreams. I would say too, if I were to, to look at these two, the eight of dreams and strength side by side, the eight of dreams reminds me of someone who's, it's like if you're, you know, you're not in training, you're not in a duel, you're caught off guard in the moment and you are having to put all of your focus and energy on this thing because it's what's occupying your literal field of vision, your most intuitive senses, all of that. It's all, it's this, this wolf, this information, this, these thoughts that are literally at your throat, whereas strength seems to be more of like, like you said, a poised, I've done this before type of response. I, lo- I loved hearing the different takes on there, the, these observations. It's so interesting. <laughs> um, my terror reader mode started there. I was like, okay, I'll bring it back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of want somebody to to read, give me a reading with my own deck. I, that hasn't happened yet, and I, um, I'm very excited for it. I'm surprised that hasn't happened, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will happen sometime, but yeah, I look forward to it. Imagine if one day you like walk up somewhere on the street and they have your deck and they're like, did you like a reading? Oh my God. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> I'm sitting here. I, I have a, I have the book cause I finally got the like art and guidebook printed. So I'm flipping through to the, the images that we were talking about. Well, I know I, I started with the, the, the more, the most intense of the, the artistic interpretations of the suits um i went literally right for the throat there with you so thank you (laughs) (laughs) that was the one that was preoccupying most of my mind but we also have in the suit of skins the songs and honey which are the wands the cups and the pentacles before i even ask anything about those specifically do you have any specific suit that you feel you had the most connection with while creating or was it the swords I don't know. I mean, I connected with all of them in different ways. And it's really hard for me to pick favorites. Too. That's okay. <laughs> I can't I can't do it. Well, if we look at songs, one of the things that I noticed um, was the amount of people in this suit. I feel like songs is, I mean, about community and relationships outside of yourself. A lot of the time, it can be within yourself and internal. But for me, it's about sharing emotions with other people and having relationships and you know these connections so there's a lot of people in that one Mm -hmm. i'm looking at the three of songs right now and i really like this because i feel like it again you wouldn't need to have a strong tarot background to like understand what this card is thematically about with these three folks who are interacting with each other in an emotionally close and intimate way and each bringing kind of their own exchange of skills and abilities to each other in the card I don't know I like a lot of these cards (laughs) (laughs) it's you know it's funny because it took me a long time to actually like the cards because I think as most artists experience you make something and you don't like it at first or you see everything wrong with it Mm -hmm. and it took me a while I had to take some space from the deck and um kind of see this as a product of a past self now I have a very different relationship with it where I'm like wow past self you did like a lot of work on this thing and you you know really expressed all this stuff through it like good job past self I'm really proud of you and it kind of helped me like put the critique brain away Mm -hmm. so yeah I, I have a much happier relationship with the art now I was actually, while I was was working on this suit specifically, I did a lot of the sketches at an art retreat with a bunch of art friends, and like I had them pose for some of these. Then the following year at the art retreat, I was painting this suit. So this piece was actually done kind of like in community instead of in my studio, which is I actually never thought about until just now. So it is 
very much about other people around me in my community. I love that you have that literal energy being put into those cards. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought of that before. And now it's it's striking me and I'm like, oh, yeah, some of these people are are actual friends of mine and people in my life who maybe were just like passing through and kind of helped me understand a card really well. Some of them are just are people who don't exist. They are just made up people. Yeah. When I look at the other two suits, too, I have the honey and skins. For me, the skins are... I really like the inclusion of snakes, essentially, as um, as these wands. And the... I would say of the court cards that you've created, the the court cards for the, the suit of skins are my favorite. Um, the queen of skins has is like the epitome of a fairy queen which I think is not what a lot of people would think maybe a fairy queen would look like but for me that's like what I I think of I'm curious how you got to have snakes as kind of the depiction of the wands and how you came to skins as the suit title yeah sure so this suit is kind of about like willpower and energy and um where you're directing that energy and i see snakes as kind of like a great representation of where that path of energy is going so that's kind of what the snakes represent is the pathway of energy they're like arrows pointing to where something is going or they're tangled up or you know and then skins is kind of about shifting and changing and shedding skins, you know, like snakes or cicadas or, you know, we as people change our just through our lives or we hope to, you know, it's very much about transformation, whether that be like, you know, transforming an idea into action or making a big internal change about how you see yourself or something. So I think the shedding of skin is sort of the way I decided to represent that transformative energy. I have to ask because I am again, truly amazed by artistic ability to tap into like familiar currents, whether or not people know things for sure. Did you happen to know about the red serpent in traditional witchcraft? No. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> Sorry. You have directly, unknowingly tapped into a huge thing that goes into um, relationship with otherworldly beings, kind of the idea of the familiar. Um, and I'm not talking like the cat familiar, like I'm talking about like spiritual companionship for a lot of people that transcends like the physical sense, like as like our inner relationship with specific spirits um, that you cultivate over time and connect and exchange in particular ways. Another parallel would be like Kundalini, but the mm. imagery of the red serpent, red representing blood, vitality, the innate like human corporealness that uh, incorporeal beings don't really have. And that's part of like the exchange that happens is extremely important. And it ties directly into the symbology of the suit of wands. And for me personally, when I read tarot, the when the wands come up a lot, I often think of spirits in general, regardless of the the deck, even if I wasn't working with yours, which I have a spirit connotation with, because it represents, you know, that will and will often tra translate to like a magical will, a magical inspiration mm -hmm. before it gets, you know, filtered yeah. through the lens of emotion or something else. But the page of wands to me is specifically like a spirit reaching out. And so it's really, it's again, it's, it doesn't surprise me, but it still is really exciting when I hear someone who's doesn't know that information and then directly pulls that imagery from that same collective space somehow. Yeah, that's so funny. I love that. I have had experiences with that kind of happening in art in the past so it doesn't surprise me either <laughs> but I, I i love uh finding out yeah um i'm looking at the three of skins right now and there's just you know this this huge red snake coming right up through the middle 
um, in front yeah. of someone. I'm like, wow, energy is amazing that <laughs> 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 this happens. You know, I don't like to pick favorites, but I think the the queen of skins is my favorite queen mm. in the deck. She is like, don't mess with me, has a great presence. Uh, I love her. Yep. <laughs> I would I would love to be more like her. <laughs> yeah, that is um like I said, my my favorite court card in this whole deck is the Queen of Skins. I love the the jawbone on the the external jawbone. Yeah. Yeah, I uh I want to I really want to make that like face piece and it, like curls behind her ears and has the little horns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to there's a couple uh like little um, costume pieces in these cards that I really want to make like as wearable things for myself just because I think they're fun <laughs> and I like wearing weird stuff so that's uh, that's one of them is that jaw piece I like too how I, I didn't notice this before but the king of skins has and I don't know bone anatomy so uh, <laughs> it has I don't know what to call this but the the I guess the inverse of the out outward facing bone like you have the the teeth and the cheekbones and whatever that's all called like the upper part of the skull on the outside of their face as opposed to the outward jawbone that's on the queen it's like two pieces of the same kind of mask that they share and i yeah that was a very intentional little thing well i like that too because if i go with in this case the lens of the familiar and traditional witchcraft there's um a lot of ties specifically to to fairy with traditional witchcraft or familiar in general mm-hmm. and and with that comes a lot of ties to there being kind of um more of a loose boundary with who is the dead and who is fairy and it not being such a delineated place and so you have that unknowingly again that visual representation right there in the court cards oh that's cool yeah i'll have to you'll have to uh hook me up with some more info of how you're interpreting these after the show because I'm so curious this is fun yeah, I definitely have a, a book recommendation for you I've said this like a thousand times on this podcast to the point where I've affected now book clubs but I'll I'll send you a link afterward but I'll say it again for anyone who's interested or listening right now and wants to know more there's a book called Sounds of Infinity by Lee Morgan, who's an incredible writer and the book is written in three parts I think you as an artist would appreciate it the first part is that called the head, and it's more of like the historical information and research. The second part's called the heart, and it's written, it's a narrative created from that research. So it's like a story, but with the same historical background. And then the last part is the hands, which is like practical ritual, but it's written as though you can experience the ritual without having to go do it yourself. So if you decide you're not going to go do it, you can emotionally experience it. And it's written by an incredible writer um, and it's a truly like artistic experience to read as opposed to like something that's obviously like a research piece, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah, definitely send me the link. I'll send you information about that um, after. And then we finally have the, the suit of honey, which is the suit of pentacles, which there's bees and flowers and gardens and it's a very um it makes me happy to see the suit whenever I pull it I'm like I love this interpretation because there's so much um human joy in these cards yeah uh maybe honey might be my favorite I don't know I can't even say it because then I'm like well maybe that one's my favorite I did I did really connect with this one my mother keeps bees so that was kind of like a big part of the inspiration for this suit but also I really like the like elements of earth and I feel like sometimes people give earthiness or earth signs if you're into astrology like a really bad rap and that they're like dull and boring and stubborn and I'm like no (laughs) please don't so this was kind of my my chance to really indulge in my own interpretation of earthiness. Honey is kind of about manifestation. And so the way I see the earth element is this ability to take ideas or things that aren't tangible yet and put them into 
the physical world with, you know, your your hands. It's very much like making art or making whatever. But I chose honey because honey is kind of like the physical manifestation of sunlight. You know, plants take sunlight and, you know, the other nutrients that they use, they create nectar. They make nectar to feed themselves. But then bees take all like the pollen and and all that good stuff and they turn it into their own food honey which we can eat it tastes like all the flowers that they collect it from it looks golden like sunlight you know so to me honey is kind of like a very magical thing um and i thought it was kind of a great representation for the uh earthy suit so well, one of the reasons I really like this suit in general is you've expressed the idea of life and value and material need and creation without the harsh depiction of money as the suit. Yeah, well, for me, like, abundance is, like, very much from nature, you know, mm-hmm. like, getting your food from na- Like, the beautiful, indulgent things in my life are, like... I love food. I love plants and flowers. I love being outside in nature and just enjoying like a lazy day outside. These are the good things, you know, the good earthy things. You know, it's, I don't connect as much to like the idea of money in that way. Money is good. Yes. Like we need money to live in, you know, our society and provide for ourselves and stuff like that. But that wasn't necessarily the conversation that I wanted to have with this suit. You know, I was coming to it from a different place. So it's very much about our relationship with the earth and nature and what nature can provide. Yeah, it's all of those things that people tell you you need money to have access to, which is true in some way now, but you've gotten you've gotten back to the to the roots of it. People can still tap into those themes without that like harsh overlay. These in a way should still make sense regardless of what culture or what current time period you're in, you know. Yeah, it needs to be readable. Um and I think like people can have so many different approaches to things and it can still be readable which was something that I like reminded myself as I made this deck I was like oh no what if this is like too much of my own thing and like somebody doesn't get it I just had to kind of like remind myself that you know as long as there is a story there as long as I'm like honestly sharing an experience you know I think people will be able to connect to it on some level I think that's been proven to be true by people's reactions to these cards thanks <laughs> um i live in rhode island and um, i picked up your deck in S- salem specifically because i think at the time i found it i couldn't like purchase it online at the time because you were kind mm. of doing those wave launches of them yeah and I walked into Hive and Forge in Salem and was like, it's here. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I live in Salem. So, oh, uh, yeah, uh, I uh, I just walk over to Hive and Forge and I keep it stocked with all sorts of things that I don't have in my own shop. <laughs> um, just so there's like something special for people who visit Salem or um, there's another location in Lowell, too. But yeah, by the way, I am totally sold out of Tarot Decks. And they still have some in person at Hive and Forge if anybody is desperately looking for them. So Yeah, we've done this whole episode and people are gonna be like, Where can I get this deck? I know, it's all sold out. Um I do hope to make a second printing. It's something I'm working on. So if if you're like really want, you know, to keep up on that, I have like a email list on my website and stuff, but we can come back to that at the end if you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to touch on too, because this is something that um, I found to be an extreme challenge. I have tried to create merch before. um, And then once the merch designs were done, I was like, well, the art's done. So my art brain's like, cool, the project's done. I don't want to do anything else with this now. Um, I don't want to go through the mechanical process of tax 
legality and <laughs> shipping and supply. Um, how, you know, you've expressed a little bit that this project, obviously, it's, it's massive, it's huge, it's extremely personal. Once the Kickstarter started getting backing, once you had essentially a mass expectation on you to produce something, and then you had to go through the legal process of how can I send out a physical object, how did that affect the artistic process for you? Um, I actually, I experienced like paralysis, like creative paralysis for the first time in my life. Um, I don't know if you've ever read the book Art and Fear. It's a very good book for anybody who is creative. Um, I highly recommend it. I go back and reread it pretty frequently. Um, but so there's these three things that get in the way of making art. It's uh, perfectionism, procrastination, and paralysis. And it's kind of like these perfectionism, we tell ourselves we can't do the work because it has to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, we can't like make it or do it. And so that's something to get over. Procrastination, you know, we're just afraid to do the work. Um, you know, they, the, these all tie into each other. And then paralysis is when you just can't bring yourself to work at all. And yeah, for months, I could not make art. And I think it was just the the perceived expectations of all these people who had given me, you know, money to support my project. And, um, you know, I f- was self-imposing this pressure that it had to be perfect. I had to make everybody happy. And, you know, I was so anxious about it. And I just couldn't do anything. I couldn't bring myself to work on it. And I, uh, I eventually went to therapy and, you know, made a plan and talked to that out. And um, I was able to get past it. But yeah, that was an experience. Um, and I've heard other people kind of have a, a similar experience. I had a professor email me when he heard about that. And he told me, you know, one of, he had an experience writing one of his books that was the same thing. It's something people experience. And then, you know, once I was working again, I had my ups and downs. Some days it was really hard to work on stuff. I felt uninspired. I felt frustrated with my work. I, you know, was dealing with a bunch of other stuff in my life. And then some days it was just like poured right out. It was super easy. When it came time to do all the fun stuff that wasn't art, this this was my first big Kickstarter and I made a lot of uh, mistakes or, um, you know, I got really enthusiastic and made plans for things that I hadn't quite planned out yet. So like this, this art and guidebook, um, I had some trouble like finding printers to get this to work. I changed printers a couple times. Um, the cost of the book went up when I changed printers and, you know, you run into all sorts of design problems and stuff like that. There are so many things that you would never think of when you start a project that come Mm -hmm. up that you just have to solve. And I think once you do it, you know, you learn, you just learn from the process. And I have learned a lot with this Kickstarter, you know, any future Kickstarters will benefit from, from this experience. There's doing taxes, shipping stuff, packaging stuff, orders going missing, customer service. Like it's a lot, it's a lot for one person. (laughs) So yeah. I was talking to someone on the podcast recently, Stephanie Hardy, about how a lot of us creative people are all like accidental entrepreneurs. Like we just are trying to make a living doing the thing that we like to do. And then we kind of have to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. In the process. Sometimes, honestly, I, I kind of am bummed out by it because it's like if we didn't live in such a place where like, in order to make a living as an artist, like you have to also just like market everything and mm. make merch and all this, like do all this other work outside of just making the art just so you can like survive and make more art. Um, and I think it, you know, I think of all the time and energy that that takes away from making the art itself. And it's kind of a bummer. But on the flip side, I found out that I really love to do book design. 
So now I have a lot more future projects involving designing books, which I'm excited about because I love the idea of having something that people can hold and touch and interact with rather than just a print on the wall. I love having art on the wall, but you know, this is the reason I love the tarot because I can put my hands all over it. I can hand it to some, I can throw it in my bag, hand it to somebody else and show them, um, you know, I can interact with it. And I think that's really cool. There's, there's upsides and downsides to it, but I'm curious, what, what is your experience with it? Do you, how do you feel about also doing the entrepreneur like side of being an artist? I often like turn around, you know, in my life and like, how the hell did I even end up at this point? Number one, this is not what I thought I would be doing (laughs) with myself at this point. So I'm, I guess I'm at like that. I'm really interested in that book that you said um, at the paralysis point, because um, I used to paint, it went from watercolors to more digital art of essentially like spirit energetic portraits of people. Cause I'm someone who I wouldn't call it synthesian per se, but I just am a very translative visual person. And so the way people walk and move and um, the way they sound, they remind me of things that I create this image in my head that's like not literally them, but a Mm -hmm. version of them. And then I'll create that. And then for about several years, actually on and off, but then pretty consistently once COVID started, because I'd lost my job at the beginning of the pandemic. And then, you know, with this podcast, I wanted to create merch. And so I had a merch concept. Um, And then at that point, I was like, I have no idea how graphic design works. And so I had to hand it off to someone who was a professional in that way. And they really brought the designs to life. And then I then I realized, ultimately, I now have to figure out how to create merch and sell it and do so in a way mm-hmm. that um, <laughs> is aligned with like my environmental morals. Yeah. And somehow do so in a way that is still personal. And so I was at this difficult point of like, well, I can do drop shipping because that means there's no waste, but now there's no like personal contact. I can't touch the things. I can't do personal quality assurance that this item is correct. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was trying to figure out samples and um, tax regulations and like my podcast, because that's what it was based for. Like I have a lot of international listeners and I was like, well, fuck, like I don't know how taxes work for Canada even. And I'm just one person who did not go to business school. (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, I feel you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot to juggle. But it is kind of exciting finding things that I enjoy outside of um, just making art, like the book design and stuff like that. But I'm also learning, like, if something is taking a lot of time, and I'm not good at it, or I get frustrated with it, um, to you know find people who can help with that uh, Mm -hmm. and kind of like let other people who enjoy those things do those things and I think getting to this point where I like I can do that is I'm I'm really grateful that I can you know do that now um and free up some more time to make art so Mm -hmm. I need to listen to your advice there (laughs) more so (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It can be hard. It takes a lot of trust to like have somebody package your orders for you or do like customer service for you or something. And you just kind of have to like, you know, relinquish control of that, that task and, and trust somebody else to do their best with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so far I have had, you know, a lot of, a lot of luck with that. I have a, a friend who, does all my customer service email and it is like it is a blessing it is the best thing ever um because that that takes up so much time when I was doing or it took up so much time when I was doing it myself um and it's really hard for me to keep track of and stay organized doing that on top of everything else that I'm doing yeah asking for help when you need it is really important so we've we've talked a lot about how you like uh, Oracle decks and tarot decks, and that's kind of been an interest from the beginning of your career in general, um, due to this like tangibility and personal interaction that people can have with mm-hmm. the art. I 
find it so fascinating and obviously like we're, we can't talk like specific details about this but you are an artist for magic the gathering and that is again a deck of art that people interact yeah. with <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that is a, a recent development but the pandemic started and i was not doing good i you know couldn't do conventions anymore i like everything was kind of like shut down. So people couldn't go to Hive and Forge. I wasn't making a lot of income through that. Um, I was kind of struggling and I was supposed to have like my first solo show in a couple months. And I just like between like the anxiety of everything going on in the world and my, you know, my mental health took a plummet, but also like I could no longer afford to frame and ship the pieces to a gallery that, you know, nobody could attend in person either. So um, I had to cancel my solo show and I was pretty devastated by that. And I was feeling pretty low and I was still working to finish the tarot deck paintings too. And I don't know, I was just like, how am I going to make money? Then Magic the Gathering reached out to me uh, and, you know, asked if, they wanted to commission me and at first I thought it was a mistake because of the style I work in I don't do a lot of like highly rendered work it's more stylized and I know for years and years magic had kind of developed that more rendered look to their their uh you know the work they commissioned but I guess they're branching back out into you know artists who work in very stylized ways yeah so I thought it was a mistake and and it wasn't. So I, I started working for them. I asked where they found me. They said on Twitter, which was also a surprise to me because I think Twitter is the social media platform that I use the least. It's been pretty exciting to do work for them. They have like a great fan community that, you know, they're all very supportive and love the art. And I get to do stuff that I wouldn't normally do. Some of the... Uh, the more recent pieces that came out were for this like kind of gothic horror themed set. And so I got to paint some really uh, scary badass ladies, uh, which I love doing. It kind of came out of nowhere and I'm really happy it did because it's, you know, made a big difference in my art income. And, you know, I get to meet a whole cluster of new people who otherwise may not have found my work. One of my favorite things is sometimes I get emails or like guys who play Magic the Gathering buying their wives my tarot deck because it turns out like both sides of this, the couple were into my art. It seems to mostly be like hetero couples, but like the wife will like know my tarot work and then tell her husband that like I'm also a magic artist because he's into magic. It's very funny to me and I love it so much. Um, (laughs) It's pretty good. <laughs> I love that. Um, I found a whole subreddit about people as, as you as like a magic artist. I don't know if that <laughs> causes you anxiety in any way or uh, maybe that was there, but I was like, oh, there's like a whole. <laughs> I have a friend who will sometimes send me some links to the Reddit threads, which is very funny. <laughs> it's through throughout my uh, my experience working as an artist. There has always been a debate of what my relationship to Rebecca Gay is, who That's what I saw. many people know. Yeah, many people know as a magic artist. And then, uh, yeah, so so people are always thinking that like I'm her son. I hear that all the time. <laughs> Back in my hometown, I grew up in like rural New Hampshire. Um, I had a friend who had like a jam night in his basement, and there was a whiteboard. And I used to go. I'm not. I'm not great at social events. So I would just like draw on the whiteboard. And so I remember he took a picture and shared it on his Facebook and uh, like tagged me and somebody commented like, Oh, is that like Rebecca Gay's son? That's so cool that he's, you know, hanging out at your jam nights. And I, I lost my mind laughing because it's just so funny just seeing what, what people like, what assumptions people make about you. Mm -hmm. It's, (laughs) I don't know. It's hilarious. Sometimes it causes me anxiety because I'm like, I don't know, like I'm not related to Rebecca. I want to, I want to like be my own person, but also it's, you know, it's very like sweet and flattering when people 
compare our work because she is an amazing artist and you know even the like gallery work that she's doing now is great um so it's for the most part pretty funny (laughs) yeah that is funny i think i saw someone and i don't know if this is true or not they said that you like mentored underneath rebecca is that true yeah okay yes so but i think people make it out to be kind of like a bigger deal than it was so i'm gonna rewind a little and tell this whole fun like synchronous story so when i was very little i was like i don't know 11 12 i took this art class and i i was kind of into magic the gathering and i remember i saw one of rebecca's cards and i was like oh she has the same last name as me so I was taking this art class and the art teacher said, oh, are you related to Rebecca Gay? Do you know who that is? And I'm like, oh, I'm not related to her, but like, yeah, I, I know her art. He's like, oh, well, it'd be, it'd be cool if you found out if you're related to her or something and like got some art lessons from her or something. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. And then like years and years and years go by. I'm out of college. I'm feeling very lost. Yeah, I don't know what to do or where my art belongs, really. I kind of wasn't shown a pathway after college that fit my art. And I randomly found out that Rebecca Gay was doing a mentorship. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm going to find the money and I'm going to take that, that mentorship with her. And that was a huge turning point for me. I got introduced to a community that was really awesome and supportive. My art kind of, you know, was a good fit for a lot of the clients that were looking in that community and stuff like that. It was really important to me personally as like a a step in my career. But, you know, it wasn't like a one-on-one mentorship thing uh, where I was like in her studio or anything like that. Um, so <laughs> I guess, you know, there's a little clarity for anybody who who's curious i'll just post on the reddit uh i have hello i have it from the person do it words. do it do it <laughs> <laughs> and then i'll show my podcast to them immediately afterwards so <laughs> yeah do it do it <laughs> um well that's that's interesting because i i do think that there's a strange power in names you know um mm. and the the synchronousness of you both having the same spelling of a, of a surname and still having that effect in magnetism and um, similar work and field. And it's not like, I mean, I don't, I can't think of anyone else that I off the top of my head has your last name also. So it's not like Brown or Mackenzie or something like that as a last name. So it's, mm-hmm. I think it has some type of impact there, which is really interesting. And I love that there's like a messenger from the past to the future. And uh, again, that nonlinearity is what you did now having a retrocausal effect in the past or vice versa is it really one change yeah it's kind of fun (laughs) (laughs) having that very like specific moment in my my very early art days like I never thought it would pan out you know and it's so funny that it did (laughs) like what are what are the odds Mm -hmm. um but yeah well do you have any esoteric interests outside of the tarot I'm curious I do like my own like ritual and witchcraft stuff but I keep it like pretty personal um Mm -hmm. a a lot of what I do is pretty like mundane like journaling and recording my dreams and um doing stuff like that I'm actually I'm working on currently a uh a workbook on interpreting dreams with tarot that I'm really excited about it's it's been in progress for a couple of years and I had to take a break from it and then I decided to rewrite it because I think I was trying to be too um I don't know I was worried about being taken seriously I guess and so I kind of let that go and decided to make it more artsy and non-linear and weird and um so I'm re redoing that now dreams have been like a very big thing for me which I, I'm not sure if qualifies as like a cult but um you know it's in that vein i think it doesn't have to be a cult but dream working and all that type of things it it can be you know it's like how tarot is not inherently witchcraft but it can be a tool of the witch if if it is that for someone yeah yeah for me it's kind of like a a big 
a big thing. Um, I figure out a lot of my problems and I do a lot of self-discovery through dreams and dream work. So yeah, that's pretty important to me. And also just nature. Like I grew up in the woods, both the science and the like emotional and magical side of nature is very important and fascinating to me. So yeah. Again, I think that your personal work with dreams and your personal mythical landscape and everything being directly parts of these cards is again it just goes to show that that effect given that this deck is so helpful for so many people for like specifically like inner work spiritual relations and concepts so just telling you that again to continue (laughs) (laughs) to to fuel your confidence there because that's um that's just really incredible to me that people can pick up on something like that, you know, like, again, like I wasn't super aware of the background of this deck. I just had it um, after seeing your art online and then went from there in terms of, of research and connection. I honestly, like, I don't think I've had this powerful of a connection with a specific collection of cards before this one. Like I thought I'd had something like that before with a different deck, but then I got this one was like, whoa, this is something else. Thank you. That makes me really happy. I mean, it makes me really happy to hear that, like, not only people are, you know, connecting with the art, which is very much what I wanted, you know, like, I want people to have a personal relationship with this art. Um, Even though it's, like, I made it, and it's personal to me, I want people to be able to connect to it personally as well. The way I approach a lot of my art pieces is I start with, like, a feeling or an emotion, And I try to capture or translate that into the art. Um, And my hope is that other people feel that same thing because you can't just like transfer a feeling to somebody else, you know? Um, But that's kind of what I hope to do that, you know, that's kind of the magic of, of art. And also with tarot um, specifically, just layering symbols upon symbols, like meanings upon meanings, so no matter like what layer of meaning people get to, you know, there's something to, to grab onto. Um, so yeah, it makes me happy to hear that people are getting, you know, the emotions that I'm putting in there. So given that people would not be able to purchase the deck hilariously after this episode. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm so um, sorry. <laughs> Which I knew before because I've seen you through like, oh, it's the last couple of ones. Um, and there was a time you're like, I actually found some like under a desk or something. Yeah, yeah. I found a couple. Um, I do. I do actually. Here, Here's a dirty secret. I have some put away so that when I do get to go to conventions again, I actually have some in case I don't have a second printing yet. But it's very few. So. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Super secret. You all just heard. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't beg me for them because you'll just have to come see me at a convention. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what do you have going on or um, available to folks if they are interested in your work or can they find your work, etc.? cetera? Um, so I have a website which links to a lot of my uh, like social media stuff. So it's just samgay.com, S-A-M-G-U-A-Y.com. And from there, you can sign up for my mailing list, which is, if you want the deck, uh, is a great way to find out when I will be I'm probably going to be doing a Kickstarter for a second printing, um, hopefully this year. Um, and then I also have the like physical art and guidebook, um, which I'm going to start shipping out to my Kickstarter backers and pre-orders um, this week. And I will have extras. Um, just so you know, I only got a thousand of these. Um, about half of them are gone to pre-orders and um, I will probably not be printing like this nice hardcover version of it again. Um, so if you want one, please, please join the mailing list. Um, I'm going to put them on my website uh, a l- little later in the spring um, after I'm done doing shipping my pre-orders and stuff. Um, but yeah, this, this has like big pictures of all the cards and all the art and it has a big huge sketchbook section in the back um so it's 
it's pretty fun. Like if you're not into tarot, it and you just like the art, it's good for that too. And then let's see if you want to support any of my current projects that I will be announcing soon. Um, you can join me on Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com slash Sam Gay. And that's a good way to stay up to date on like all the work that I'm doing on like a weekly basis. Yeah. And then people can also find you on Instagram, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I've been Twitter, I, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, <laughs> I have not been super active on my social media lately. Um, I took a break around winter. And it's good for you. Yeah. And then I was busy with deadlines for a month and um, maybe I'll post again soon. But yeah. Um, and you can find all of the links to my social media on my website as well. I have, you know, Instagram, Twitter. I have YouTube. I haven't updated in a long time. <laughs> well, I will link all of that below so anyone listening can can find that when they're done driving uh, or mowing the lawn or whatever is going on right now in your audience world out there. Thank you so much for being here. Like this was really exciting for me. Um, it, you you illustrate something that I feel like I see too. Like not in the same way because this is obviously your own personal landscape. But the way that you've presented images and themes, it's like, wow, like this is a language that I personally can understand. And it is awesome seeing it done visually and to have such an amount of illustrations and pictures to look at to that communicate what I can understand. And so from a personal level, thank you for making this and putting mm. it out into the world. Thank you so much. And yeah, thank you for, for asking for an interview. I haven't done one in a really long time. And I, I was super nervous, but I was like, this is actually kind of like a different take. It's not like a straight up art interview. So it could be a lot of fun. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, um, I will, again, I'll link everything below for, for Sam if you're interested. And if this is the first time you've ever heard me talk, hi, you can find all my information at my website also, mothmanatarot.com, Instagram at mothmanatarot, Twitter at manaalen, and those will all be linked also below. So uh, for the fourth time or third time, thank you for being here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.